everything comes with a sacrifice. You want to be really good at something, you're going to have to give up something else, typically. You want to, you know, be better at football, well, you're going to have to, you know, move some more weight. You're going to have to practice more. So that's going to take up more of your time. You know, understanding that cost, understanding that sacrifice is really uh, one of the defining characteristics, I think, of high-level athletes. Hey, how you doing? Brian Kane, your Peak Performance Coach here with the Peak Performance Podcast. And today, our guest is a master of the mental game, maybe excelling in the most mental position in all of sports, a place kicker in the National Football League. Andrew Franks is the current place kicker, which means he does kickoffs, field goals, and PATs for the Miami Dolphins. Now, Frank's path to the NFL is not your traditional path through a BCS powerhouse program. The Carmel, California native attended the Division III school of Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, a.k.a. RPI, in Troy, New York, and signed with the Dolphins in 2015 as an undrafted free agent. Franks, whose legend grows by the kick and grows by the day, used to take on the freezing temperature of Troy, New York by going out and shoveling off a rectangle of snow on the middle of their turf field so he could practice kicking in the winter months when he was in college. People looked at him and thought he was crazy. Now they look at him and think he's unbelievable as he's starring in the NFL. And in this podcast, Franks talks about his drive to succeed, why he chose to attend a Division three school, and the routines and mindset he has in place to succeed as a place kicker in the NFL. It's my honor and privilege to welcome Miami Dolphin place kicker Andrew Franks to this edition of the Peak Performance Podcast. Franks, thanks for being with us, buddy. Thanks for having me. It's quite the introduction. Yeah, man. Well, you deserve it, brother. Tell us, how did you end up from Carmel, California, which for the people that don't know is it's right next to like um, Pebble Beach. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, and, it's right and, there. And, I, and it's right where I got engaged. I got engaged at uh, the Lone Cypress, which is right there near Carmel, California, man. So near and dear place to my heart. But how did you end up from going from Carmel all the way to RPI? You know, it was one of those uh, weird coincidences, really. You know, for me, living in Carmel, I, it's a really insulated place. And so growing up, you know, in high school, I realized I, I got to get out of here. I got to try something new and you know, let's try the East Coast. So I had my mind, my heart real set on the East Coast in general. And, you know, for me, coming out of high school, you know, I wanted to play football, but I knew I wasn't really wasn't going to get many D1 offers. So, you know, I made the decision that, you know, I want to get, you know, a biomedical engineering degree. That was a big thing for me. And so. RPI was one of the few places that told me, yeah, you can get this degree and you can play football. And so, you know, I visited there, happened to, you know, really like it. They had renovated all their athletic stu- uh, facilities and really fell in love with it. So for me, it was choosing the fact that I wanted to get my academics as well as athletic career sort of jump started. Biomedical engineering. Is that right? That's right. How about that? How many guys in the NFL actually have a college degree, let alone a college degree in biomechanical Biomechanical or medical? Medical. Biomedical, even better. Biomedical engineering, unbelievable. You were actually in New England, weren't you, taking a tour of some of the Ivy League schools and your mom called and said, hey, Andrew, I think you should go check out this place called RPI. Is that right? Yeah, no, we were uh, we were in New York City. You know, I think we just sort of toured around Columbia uh, University. You know, we had a few days off and, you know, mom called me up, say, hey, check out Troy, New York. You have no idea where that is, 
But, you know, it's only a couple hour drive and we're like, all right, well, we got some time to kill. Just rode over and, you know, sort of the rest is history, I guess. Unbelievable, man. I grew up in Williamstown, Massachusetts, probably about an hour, hour and a half away from Albany, New York. And I'll tell you, when you go to RPI and that's where we met years ago when I, when I was speaking there and then working with a football program, their football facility might be the best in Division Three in the country. I mean, it's off the charts good. Is that, did, that, did that attract you there when you went there? Did you walk in and go, whoa, this is different? Yeah, no, that was... You know, after touring some, you know, D1 schools, you know, some D2s and some other D3s, you know, and coming to RPI and seeing this giant stadium, you know, brand new, you know, strength facilities, you know, uh, athletic training facilities. And, you know, in my mind, I t- thought to myself, you know, this is better than, you know, some of the D1 schools I visited, you know, and to get this from a D3 standpoint, you know, this is crazy. This is awesome. Totally. Not to mention an RPI education, which is like an Ivy League education. Exactly. That was my thoughts. Exactly. Well, at what point here, Frank, at what point did you decide, hey, man, I want to be an NFL kicker? Not necessarily that it, that it could be a reality for you, because I think deciding I want to be an NFL kicker and then getting to the point where you go, wait a minute, I got a legit chance here. That's another step. But go back to the first step. When did you make the decision to say, I want to be an NFL kicker? So I think... You know, it starts, I think, even before I had NFL aspirations. You know, when I went to D3, went to Troy, New York at RPI, and, you know, my mindset was going in, you know, I want to be the best kicker I can be, regardless of what division. The goalposts are all the same. So for me, I really wanted to focus on, you know, I want to be extremely good at my craft. So, you know, I can compare myself to Adam Vinatieri, you know, some of the great kickers in the world, you know, in the NFL, in college, in our division, regardless, you know, our goalposts are the same hashes may differ a little bit here and there. But, you know, for me, I was always trying to sort of pursue, you know, to be the top, the best of the best. So, you know, working on that, you know, I kept on getting better and better throughout the years. And then right before my junior year, actually I had a chance encounter with a, a buddy of mine named Justin Medlock. Who, this is junior year of high school or college? College. College, got it, okay. Yeah. So right before my junior year, during the summer, I was – you know, taking a summer class at RPI, I met a, a buddy of mine, Justin Medlock, who he kicked. He ended up, he kicked two years in the NFL and uh, kicks in the CFL now. And you know, he was you know just in the area, you know, for a week or so. You know, messaged me on Facebook asking you know if I wanted to kick one day. You know, I'm like, all right. I'm gonna look him up real quick. I'm like, sure, yeah. No, this would be awesome. Cool opportunity to be next to an NFL kicker. You know, really get a you know side by side comparison, see where I stand, really and. You know, I kicked with him, you know, I think three or four times during that week. And, you know, the entire time I was thinking to myself, like, I'm kicking it just as far as this guy. You know, he's a little more accurate than me. I'll give him that. But, you know, I'm kicking it just as far, just as high. You know, I think, you know, just as well. So that was really where I thought in my mind the ball started rolling. Like, if he can do it, you know, why can't I? Regardless of where I'm at, you know, if I can kick a ball well, you know, I can kick it anywhere. So that was really where my mind really started to change from. You know, maybe, you know, an engineer is not what I want to be when I, you know, grow up for the next 30, 40 years. Maybe the NFL is a career path that could actually happen for me. So you're kicking. So you see you start working out with this guy who's a current NFL kicker. I mean, current at the time. Now he's kicking yeah. in the CFL and you're hanging with him. And at that point, did a flip, did a, a switch flip inside of you that said, hey, I can do this and I need to start changing a couple things. Is that when you started to shovel off the field or did you kind of, you alluded to earlier where you said my goal was to be the best kicker I could be. 
did you have that work ethic and drive before that moment or was that moment a key tipping point for you? You know, I think, you know, my work ethic was one of the reasons I got that chance opportunity. You know, for me, I really wanted to work on my football craft and, you know, I sort of made the decision to, you know, take a summer, one summer class so I could stay, you know, at RPI, stay there over the summer and, you know, stay at the facilities, work out, train, do all the things that will hopefully make me better as a kicker. And then also get ahead for, you know, that, you know, uh, that fall semester for football so I can sort of take it easier academically. So that was my mindset that led up to that encounter. You know, if I just went home, you know, took it easy, just tried to do my normal basic training back home, you know, I would have never met Justin Medlock, you know, and would have never had that side by side comparison. So I think my, you know, desire to be great really led up to, you know, that chance, that chance encounter. Did you always have that desire to be great? I mean, was that something you had in high school or can you actually go back to a moment in time when that desire where you were like, Hey man, this was the tipping point in my career. This is a line that I drew in the sand and I stepped over. And that was the difference between me, you know, being the old Andrew Franks and the new guy who was, who was on a mission to, to kick professionally. You know, I, I can't really say there was a tipping point there. I mean, I've always just been a competitive guy and for me, it's always, it's always, I think the old adage is you hate losing more than you like to win. And I hated losing regardless of what sport I played, you know, in high school, I was football, soccer, and baseball. And I always wanted to be competitive in everything I did. So, you know, for me kicking, I thought that was the best route out of high school. You know, that was what I was probably best at most competitive at. So if there was a chance, you know, it was going to be with that. So that was sort of my mindset going into that. How about some advice for the young kickers out there that are listening to this podcast? You know, maybe they're junior high, high school, even maybe freshmen in college that want to follow in your shoes and go kick in the NFL. What advice would you give them about pursuing their dream as an NFL place kicker? You know, one thing I really wish I did more of, especially when I was younger, was do a lot more film study. You know, for me, I was the soccer, soccer style kicker who just liked to kick the ball really far. And, you know, my technique was a little whack and you know I went to camps here and there to you know get help and I would definitely recommend those those are very helpful you know but getting a second set of eyes on it but really looking at your own film dissecting it and comparing it to you know current guys that are in the league you know current kickers past kickers because I mean those are the guys that have proven that they can kick for a long time kick successfully and those are usually winning patterns and I think me looking back, that was something that I wish I did more of was really look at myself. How do I, you know, change this angle? How do I, you know, my follow through is way over here and no one else does that. Why would, I should probably change that. So that's probably the best advice I can really give you is, you know, look at yourself, look at your film, you know, take video of yourself and really sort of compare yourself. What about finding a mentor? I mean, when you were growing up, I know that like for pitchers in baseball, you know, there's, there's certain places you go to work with guys that isolate, that that are just pitching instructors and they're going to get you to throw harder and they're going to clean up your mechanics. And that's all, that's what they do. I believe those same guys exist in place kicking. And did you ever work with one? Yeah. So, I mean, I went to a decent amount of camps like, uh, Cole's kicking camps. I went to a decent amount of those. Uh, I went to uh, like one or two Chris Sailors down in Southern California. And, you know, just going to those camps, you know, with a bunch of other, you know, high school level guys that, you know, we all think we're really good, you know, and we all want to get better. You know, those are usually, you know, one, two day camps. I mean, 
those are guys that, you know, have kicked professionally, the camp instructors like Jamie Cole. I mean, they've kicked professionally or they've been in this business for a long time that they know what they're looking for and they're going to give you the, you know, the best criticism, the best help in terms of, like you said, as a pitcher, you know, best swing, your best, you know, momentum, your steps, stuff like that. So, I mean, those are, that's the exact place where I think you can get the most help the quickest. Let's let's kind of now, you know, to kind of shift gears from sort of how you got to where you are, your advice for kickers, and let's get into your routine because I think the position that you play is about as mental and about as routine as it possibly gets. So could you take us through on a game day, your routine from like start to finish, whether that routine is starts when you wake up and finishes when you go to bed or that routine starts when you leave your house, like take us through the game day routine for Andrew Franks. All right. I mean, it's nothing too special, at least in my eyes. But, you know, for me, it's, you know, you get up, I have the same breakfast I always do every game day. I mean, it even starts the night before. I have the same dinner every night before just to sort of, you know, I know exactly how it's going to react to my body, how I'm going to feel in the morning when I wake up. You know, I get up, eat my breakfast, you know, go straight to the stadium. And once I'm there, I always go straight out of the field check my surroundings, see how the weather is, you know, look how the stadium is, really absorb the sights. You know, I've played in, you know, Hard Rock Stadium for two years now, and every time I go in there, you know, it's always, you know, the lighting might be different, you know, the clouds might change something, you know, really absorbing the whole atmosphere of the place and, you know, getting myself used to the fact that, you know, this is where I'm going to be kicking today and really absorbing it to the fact that it becomes, you know, just, I, just nonchalant to me. I can ignore it instantly. It's just you know, white noise for me. And, you know, I would just go, you know, up and down the field, you know, just doing some practice dry kicks on the field, just moving left, right, left hash, right hash, you know, slowly moving back, you know, just imagining myself, you know, if that was the game right then and I had to make this kick, you know, how I would do it, where I would aim, looking at taking in the wind, all those sort of things where I would aim, you know, on the stadium itself and, you know, really pre-programming myself for when that kick comes you know, during the game. So I do that for probably, you know, only 15, 20 minutes, but really, you know, taking the time to absorb everything in there. And I go in, you know, roll out my body, get it stretched, uh, do a little extra stretching. Uh, you know, the whole time I'm usually listening to like some heavy metal music, just something that for me is like calming. I don't know why that is for me. Like Metallica. What kind of, what are you going to? Uh, it's uh, more, it's probably like Amity Affliction, like some more new age, like alternative metal, that sort of stuff. Usually a lot of yelling. Yeah, okay, good, man. Sometimes <laughs> and like, it's good. Yeah. So that's like my game day sort of music choice. And I usually have that just blaring the whole time. You know, if I can listen to that and be calm, then I can listen to a crowd and be calm. So, yeah. So I, you know, listen to that, you know, and then at that time, you know, that's when we're sort of being called out on the field for our program times and you know we'll roll out roll out onto the field you know with me uh matter hunter and john our long snapper and you know we'll go out you know i'll usually go and you know do another sort of mild stretch circuit same thing i've done for three four years same stretching routine i do that take some like no step kicks uh on whatever end we have to be on 
and really just go through my kicking, basically kicking routine, you know, going from no steps, one steps to full approach and then really taking it slow, but, you know, trying to take in, you know, left, right, left and right hashes. So, you know, I really do that flip sides, you know, talk to the other kickers and punters, see how they're feeling, see what, if they've seen anything differently in terms of look at the weather for later and stuff like that. Cause you never know, they might have some information that you might take into account. Never know. Uh, I'll do that. Uh, you know, and then I uh, will usually go and get, you know, the whole gauntlet of me, John and Matt, you know, some snap hold kicks, you know, with all of us, you know, we'll take hmm, like 10, 15 of those both sides, you know, taking it real easy. We don't, the worst thing you can do is just tire yourself out before a game, you know, at the end of the day, none of these kicks really matter. You know, as long as you're seeing how your ball's flying, seeing how it's moving, how you're kicking the ball, how you're feeling more importantly, you know, and taking that to sort of in the back of your mind whenever you go out there. And so do that, you know, I'll usually take one to two kickoffs. I mean, those are the most tiring thing as a kicker we do. So we, for the most part, kickoffs are the easiest thing. It's just kick the crap out of the ball, sure. <laughs> at least in my at least in my mindset. And so take a few of those. And then at that point, you really just sort of take a seat on the sideline, watch as sort of the fans start to filter in. And really, in my just keep on absorbing everything, and really try to almost dull the moment. You know, everyone can be you can be really amped up when there's a full crowd, or you can sort of block it out. And for me, as soon as the game starts, I don't really see the crowd anymore. That's why I sort of want to go out there early. You know, we'll go back in the locker room after, you know, 15 minutes after the whole team's finished warming up. You know, we'll have you know the pregame you know, speech, whatever it is. And for me at that point, you know, you're just checking out, making sure your cleats are laced up right, making sure, you know, socks are good. Every like your uniform's clean, you're good. You know, anything that was a little tight, a little like tight, sore, you know, fix that in the locker room. And then once you hit the tunnel, hit the tunnel, go out, you may take, you know, three or four pregame kicks right before kickoff, just field goals wise maybe hit a kickoff really depending on how you hit them before and that's really just sort of personal preference sometimes i'll hit one sometimes i'll hit none and then really you know i always grab my kickoff tee just you never know for the coin toss if we get it awesome you know that means i get to start the game off which for me is like a huge privilege i love that you know i get to be the guy that starts the game that's cool and you know once that happens you know, I kick, you know, do kickoffs, do the kickoff, get super amped up for that. And then at that point, it's really taking myself down because, you know, uh, I, I worked, you know, a lot on trying to figure out, like, is it even worth trying to bring myself down? Do I because I'm going to be amped up for every kick out there. I, I always have been is it worth trying to just like get used to the fact that you're going to be super amped up every time you kick or do you want to sort of bring yourself down and try to stay calmer? And, you know, for me, it was almost, I had to disconnect from the game itself and really taking into the fact, taking into account that regardless of, you know, where we're at in the game, you know, what the stakes are in the game, if I'm calm, I can kick the best. That's what it boiled down to for me. So, 
you know, I did a lot of diaphragmatic breathing. I do that a lot now. Um, that was something that I wish I did more of as a rookie that I struggled with was calming myself down. And so taking that into like breathing, like into my belly, you know, really sort of taking control of my body, not letting my body control me. That was a big, big jump for me, I think. But understanding that, you know, if I can calm down, then I can be the most useful to the team. And that, that at the end of the day, that's all that really mattered to me. So, you know, once I sort of disassociated from, you know, the ups and downs of the game, that's usually when I'm the best. It's when you get super amped up, you know, touchdown, touchdown, you know, lead changes. That's when I feel like I make the most mistakes. So, but, you know, after the first kickoff, I'm trying to bring myself down. I'm usually, you know, just watching the game, sitting on the sideline, doing nothing, you know, unusual. I mean, from the sideline standpoint, I'm doing nothing. But for me, it's really just making sure I'm always warm. Because the one thing, the one time we're never really prepared for is, you know, if we're on defense and we get a pick six, you know, it's not like we're kicking in the net. We're not ready. It's one of those times where you can, you can always kick a ball. You never know when we're going to score, when a turnover is going to happen. So it's always on your mind that you can never be cold. That's like the one weird thing is, you know, as other positions, you know, you can maybe relax a little more than us, but we're really, you're almost on edge the whole time. And it's at that point, you're really just, you know, waiting for us to get the ball, waiting for us to score. And once we get the ball, you know, I have basically the same routine of whenever like we do a, we're returning to punt, returning to kickoff, you know, I go straight into the net and always just at least kick one ball into the net because, you know, we got some dangerous guys returning for us. If they house it, you know, that's an instant PAT right there for us. So that's how I, <clears throat> how I sort of, you know, I get that one in, I'll go and do just a mild warm up stretch just to, you know, reactivate everything, you know, it takes like less than a minute. And then I'll usually kick like one or two balls into the net. And I might take a look at, you know, a couple holds and, uh, let me ask yeah, this: I mean, Does your routine is does your routine go by the down? Like you said, when when we when we're receiving a kickoff or a punt, we got guys that can house it. So I put a ball in the net. Do you have a certain thing you do on first down and second down and like third down? You get in the box and fourth down you go out. Is there a progression based off of the downs? Sort of. So, like I said, you know, whenever we're returning, like any special teams play, you know, I always kick one just in case, and then you know. Into that, into that first down, you know, I'll usually I'll do my warm up during that, and then usually by that time, you know, it's going to be you know second down. Second down is usually where I'm going to hit like one or two more balls, and once sort of third down hits, that's when I really try to calm myself down. That's where I, you know, I'm leaving the net, you know, I'm walking to where wherever we are, if we're in the red zone at least, you know, if we were just you know, you know, at our 20 yard line, you know, I'm not really that anxious into it and you know, I'm not rushing. I'll kick maybe one ball every like two or three downs, but until we really cross like the 50 yard line, I'm never really anticipating the downs. So, I mean, everything I sort of do per down depends if we're going to, we're in a scoring opportunity or we're getting very, really, really close to it. So let's say you let's say you guys got a first down, first and ten from the twenty yard line going into the end zone. First down, what are you doing? 
So first down, you know, I'm kicking, you know, kicking probably one or two balls at most, you know, probably one ball. Yeah, one ball for first down, you know, and really just sort of watching how the play develops, seeing if we, you know, we went back, you know, went forward, went forward, how close we are to a second down, keeping that in the back of your mind. So, you know, get to, if we get to second down, you know, and we're just like, it's short, you know, I'll kick one more. And, you know, really does depend on sort of how that, how it plays out for the most part. You know, if we get, you know, a successful first down right after that, you know, I'll probably, you know, just kick one more and probably be done. Because, you know, I don't want to overkick right before I have to go on the field. So I usually try to space it out a decent amount. So it's really dependent on how I'm feeling, how many, you know, kicks I've had leading up on that drive. It was a really long drive. I've probably had, you know, four, five, six, seven, maybe even eight kicks. So I'm probably feeling really good. You know, if it's a shorter drive, you know, I might hit, you know, a couple more if we're getting closer. So let's say uh, they, they, you're going out for a 20-yard field goal, right? Fourth, it's, it's third down and three. They don't convert. Now it's fourth and one. You're going out for a 20, 25-yard field goal. You run out to the field. You go out to where the block is, right? And take me through or where, where the holder spot is. Take me through the steps, the looks, the, any visualization of seeing the ball, or your target, any deep breaths, anything there specifically. So uh, probably it starts before that. And Good. So right. So if it's third down, you know, I'll be on the sideline on third down. At that point, you know, I'm doing my breathing. I'm calming myself down. But I'm really taking a look at, you know, what hash we're at you know, how the wind's moving, how everything's going in. Because the one the one thing I want to do when I go out there is not think. That's the worst thing you can do as a kicker in my eyes is think. So, you know, I'm trying to basically base everything off of that third down already. So we're on the left hash, you know, I'm thinking to myself, all right, left hash, all right, wind's pulling it a little bit to the left, all right, maybe, you know, it's a short kick, you know, don't compensate too much. And sort of just do a mental, a quick mental rep in my head. You know, just close my eyes, think about it, and just bang, bang. All right, we're good. And then once fourth down hits and we hear field goal, you know, my thing is I want to round run up behind the ball, so behind where I'm kicking, so I can sort of see my approach to the to the post. So I'll run up. You know, you know, I usually do a quick, just short, like practice swing as I'm coming up right next to the spot where my holder is, you know, I'll pat down the ground. That's, that's been one of my sort of mental cues, I guess, is, you know, just stomping it down, making sure that if my plant foot's good, everything else will follow. And so, you know, I'll get the spot and I'll see it. I'll take a quick glance up, see where my marker is, you know, on the stadium, if there is one, you know, just cue that, take my steps back, you know, three back, three left, you know, take a short stutter step at the end, just rotate back to my holder spot, you know, take a deep, you know, diaphragmatic breath, you know, and just relax, give them a slight nod. And at that point, I'm pretty much locked in. You know, once I breathe in, breathe out and give them a nod, I'm locked in. Nothing, nothing can really alter my focus. And I'm just waiting for him to, you know, lift his finger up to basically let me know, like, this is when you go. So, at that point, you know, I'm not thinking about anything. You know, I'm just waiting for that. Once he lifts his finger, everything's just automatic. You know, I take my jab step, follow step, you know, plant into it and just swing through. And whatever happens after that happens. 
Talk more about the mental rep. Uh, we use that term a lot and with Brian Kane Peak Performance about mental reps, whether it's whether you're coming back from an injury and seeing yourself play or a pitcher seeing a pitch before they throw it or really a kicker seeing before they kick it. Talk about mental reps. What is that? I mean, for me, uh, before, like when I was saying on third down, when I take sort of that mental rep before I kick, you know, that's really taking what I did, you know, pregame when I went out on the field was out there there was no one out besides really me on the field and you know and there's no pressure there's nothing and that's really taking that rep and applying it to where I was at there <clears throat> and that's in my eyes that's sort of my mental rep is just imagining you know where I was visualizing you know how it felt how you know calm you felt at that time and you know that's in my eyes that's my sort of visual rep is really seeing you know through my own eyes you know what I did how it felt and sort of just replaying it quickly just for, as a simple reminder. So let's say you guys are going to play the New England Patriots and in Foxborough, Mass. on a Sunday. You have a, when do you get, do you get in on Friday? Or do you get into town on Saturday? We'll get there on Saturday. So you get in on Saturday. Do you go to the stadium Saturday to kind of do a walkthrough, or do you not get to the stadium until Sunday? We'll just get there on Sunday, yeah. So we'll just be there day of. So like that, like Saturday night, do you do any type in your hotel room? Are you doing any type of visualization where you're kind of, when your head hits the pillow, closing your eyes and seeing yourself make PATs and field goals and big kickoffs in, in Foxborough? Uh, uh, I do probably for, you know, a couple minutes at most, you know, the one thing that, you know, I personally do is when I'm not, you know, in a football facility, I try to sort of forget about football. For me, that's, you know, it's so easy to get burnt out on football itself that when I'm, you know, as soon as I leave the facility, <clears throat> I don't want to watch football. I don't want to hear football. I don't really, you know, don't want to think about it because it's, you're, you're doing that for 10, 12 hours a day, every day for, you know, six, seven months at least. And you just keep on grinding. So when I'm at the, when I'm at the hotel, the night, you know, I'll think about it for a tiny bit, you know, maybe two, three minutes to sort of, all right, this was the weather forecast for tomorrow. I've played here before. How was it last time? How was the turf? All right. Do I need to do anything extra? All right. You know, mentally, all right, I'm feeling pretty good. And sort of just, you know, just a quick double checklist before, you know, before I go to bed. So I love that idea about how you're, as a professional athlete, you know, you're investing so much time into the game of football when you're not at a facility, kind of using that as a release from the game so that you're not burning yourself out. Cause you always got to remember that football is what you do. It's not who you are. Right. I mean, at some point in your life, your career comes to a close. So if you're, it's what you do. And if you can separate who you, what you do from who you are and be able to go back and forth between those two things, I think that's a healthy mindset for a professional athlete to have. Cause Franks, you probably see it with even guys in the league or guys on your team that they can't escape that and they're always consumed by it and they just get burned out. Do you see that a lot? Yeah, no, I think, you know, it's one of those things like you, especially when, uh, as a rookie, you see it always, you know, we, we talk about there's a rookie wall, you know, it's usually like week 10, 11, 12, you know, it's a long, long season. You know, you got four weeks of preseason, 16 weeks, you know, regular season and then playoffs after that. And, you know, that's 24 weeks. That's a, that's a lot of time. So rookies especially always seem to hit it. That they're just not used to it. You know, they've been consumed by making the team, you know, always trying to be on top, you know, 
always having sort of that that boogeyman over their shoulder that, you know, I could be cut at any time. And I think it really takes you almost the second year to take into consideration, like, it doesn't really matter. You know, every single person on this team can be gone tomorrow. And the sooner we accept that, the sooner we can just sort of move on and do our jobs better. That's powerful right there, man. That's real powerful. Speaking of that, you know, Andrew, what are some of the things, like if we had to look, not necessarily you as a kicker, and I love the routine and the, and the specifics of kicking, let's go a little bit now, bigger view of you as the man, Andrew Franks. What makes you successful? What makes you the guy that can go from Division three football, get a power, powerful academic degree, and now be kicking in the NFL? What makes you successful, you think? What are some of the character traits that you have that make you successful? You know, I think one of my things is I don't like <clears throat> I don't like leaving a job unfinished. That's a big thing for me. And, you know, if I have put my name on it, you know, I want it, you know, to be a good product. At the end of the day, that's really, I think, what defines me as a person is, you know, finishing what I start and making sure that everything I do is done well. I think those are two traits that, you know, from as long as I can remember, really sort of defined me uh, it's really, I mean, you know, you look at a school project or whatever, you know, your name's on it, you know, you always want to get an A. You always want to succeed and, you know, keep me make, keeping in mind, like, everything, you take everything with a grain of salt. You know, you can't expect perfection from day one, but constantly striving for that. You know, golf, you know, golf is very similar to kicking in our regards. You can always do better in golf, right? You know, everyone's always trying to get a better stroke. So, uh, you know, really striving for that. You're striving for that perfect game, but understanding that it may never happen. So that's really my my mindset, I guess, for life itself and how my actions uh, define me. Love it. Andrew, last question for you here, man. If you could remove the skull cap of Andrew Franks and go back when he was in high school, when he was in college, right? Or actually, let's change the question here. Let's take it away from you and say, if you could remove the skull cap of everyone listening to this, coaches, kickers, people, people non-football related, right? Just coaches and athletes, entrepreneurs, people that are pursuing excellence. If you could remove their skull cap and plant one seed of success inside of there, maybe it's a philosophical belief. Maybe it's a quote. Maybe it's something that you've already mentioned about, about uh, signing. If you're going to do a job, sign it with excellence. But if you could plant one seed of success inside of all their heads and they, and they would take it and they would run with it, and when they speak about the opportunity that they had to listen to you on the podcast, this is what they're going to take home. Uh, I mean, ooh, that's a tough one. I feel like there's a lot to choose from, but, um, you know, I think one, one characteristic that really has helped me, you know, get to where I am is, you know, everything comes with a sacrifice. You know, you want to be really good at something, you're going to have to give up something else. Typically, you know, you're going to go, you want to, you know, be better at football. Well, you're going to have to, you know, move some more weight you have to practice more so that's going to take up more of your time everything comes with a cost so you know understanding that cost understanding that sacrifice is really uh one of the defining sort of uh characteristics i think of high level athletes you know, like almost every single person here has given up something important and most of us you know a lot of people you know people that don't make it to where we are they weren't willing to give up the time to, you know, to put in that effort, you know, they'd rather sleep. Sleep's a great example. You know, most people rather sleep in, you know, get that nice 12, 10 hours of sleep every night versus, you know, the guys that get up early, you know, push themselves and, you know, 
are willing to push themselves. How so, much sleep are you getting? Uh, right now, I believe I'm getting a healthy eight. Eight, solid. That's yes. a good number. Have yeah. You met, so. Have you met Dr. James Moss? He's one of our Peak Performance Podcast guests. He's actually the, uh, the world's leading expert in sleep, and I believe he does some work with the Dolphins. Have you met Dr. Moss? Yeah. Uh, we listened to him, I believe, when I was a rookie. So, yes, I am familiar with his work. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> fantastic. Small world, man. He also was a uh, New York uh, – he, he, he taught at Cornell for 48 years. We're gonna, we have had him on a podcast here as well. So, Well, Andrew, man, I appreciate your time. Uh, I appreciate your, your inspiration that you provide people all over the country, not just in football but in any sport that – uh, it's, you can go get a high level degree at an academic institution like RPI, uh, and play professional sports. It doesn't happen often, but it is possible. And you're the type of guy that is paving that path for people to be able to make the decision to say, you know what, I can go and invest in my future and get a legit degree and still pursue being a professional athlete. So Andrew Franks, thank you for joining us here on the podcast. For our listeners, you can connect with Andrew at his Twitter account, which is at a underscore K underscore F underscore three. He made it difficult for us again at a underscore K underscore F underscore three. Andrew Franks, thank you for being a guest on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Peak Performance Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes and leave a positive review or share a link to this episode on social media using hashtag PeakPod. Mention Brian Kane and one thing you learned in this episode for your chance to win a free ticket to the next Brian Kane Experience live event. Dominate the day.